because the way you got to wrap the rubber bands through and then like clip it on this side and then flip it over this way and lay it down like a baby's diaper and like fucking fold it. <laughs> I'm not shitting you, dude. There, we found one video of a guy showing how to do it on YouTube and we must have watched it four times and it's like a five minute video mm-hmm. and we kept pausing it and being like are you holding it right wait what but of course he has the camera so you can't see what he's doing with his hands dude and i ended up texting john i'm like uh, i'm really sorry but i took your shock mount apart by accident and i cannot get it back together dude we haven't done a nightcast it's time for a nightcast, a Gearbuds nightcast. Time for a nightcast, Gearbuds nightcast. Gearbuds podcast episode one hundred and eighty-three. Ooh, my name's Henry. His name's Dave. Hello. That's a big number. We're big buds. We're gear buds, and we're here making a podcast for you that we like to do every week. And wait, as Dave alluded to before the song, it's nighttime around here. It is nighttime. So getting it in where we can this week. We are. We're working on it. We're d- just for you guys, man. Just for you. We could just be like, no, we're not doing it. Nah. But we're doing it for you guys. We do, we do it for you. We thank you all. We love you. And we love each other and ourselves, which is the important trifecta. Before we get into the symphony of corrections, here we go. And your weekly reminder, my kibbles are tone tubes. Indeed. Thank you so much for being here with us and listening and subscribe on the stuff. Email us and stuff. Gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. Go do the things. If you want, if you, Hey, if you want to talk to us, We'll talk to you. Too. Drop us a line. <laughs> drop us a string. Do people still say drop me a line? They they do now. You just did it. Hell yeah. And uh, let's just dive in. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's start with something I just I just saw breaking news. Did you see the, the Motley Crue news? No. They, uh, j- they just released a statement that Mick Mars, because of, unfortunately because of his condition, is uh, no longer touring. He's uh. still going to... You know, perform on the uh, perf- record and do all that sort of stuff. But they have announced also right after that that John Five is going to be. I was going to say it's got to be somebody pretty legendary. Yeah, I think he's already played with them. I think is the deal. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not a member of the crew. I'm not. Crew. I'm not either. But it wouldn't surprise me if he had. So that's cool. Good. Yeah, it's. It's. I mean, it's a bummer, of course. I mean, it's. It's uh, frankly amazing that he's been able to keep doing it for so long with obviously a really horrible, painful condition that he has oh, i think i mean we could get into it we probably don't have to but uh yeah fucking john five they're still pushing through they are and that's what we do and uh you know what else people do let's uh let's actually do something let's get into a, B, a very good very very good gfi i would say right here all right i love it i was i already I'm, i'll be honest i was looking at the outline here and the next one thing inadvertently was another bfi <laughs> i was like you know what no nope, it's I'm already nighttime the, we don't I'm need to get this other thing i know there. exactly uh, this is amazing. I don't know if you heard about this. In uh, I think I what was it? the articles on Guitar World that I saw, uh, th- there was this woman in New Zealand, and she had been for like sixty years living in this in this house, and there had always been this guitar case, just like real dusty that she never really paid attention to or oh, anything. I, I know, <laughs> I know already. I already know where this is going. Excited. And uh, somehow I don't know the deal is that maybe her great granddaughter or something like that went in there and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat her on the bush the guitar is a nine excuse me not 19 is an 1870s martin oh, it's a shit. size 2 style 34 which has a some sort of custom ebony bridge that is a very big deal wow uh 
it's uh, what what Guitar World describes as an eye-watering price. So I want you to give me a quick <laughs> little, little guess. Well, what you it think was that is. this was this article was in Guitar World magazine or mm-hmm. online. So I'm assuming it's going to be quite a pretty penny, um, dude. Is it over or under a million? Oh no 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 no! It's not. It's not quite. It's not that. that All right. That wacky. It's and that's actually you know what now that now that I'm now that we're saying this eye watering eye watering price eye watering might not be that wa- well our eyes in water our at different uh, they, exactly <laughs> different so places. I I think I think it's actually less than All what right, we look, would consider eye watering a couple hundred grand fifteen thousand hey that's something nice to find in the back of your house yeah and the fact that it's and it's probably in pretty decent condition she didn't say like whose it was or doesn't recall who might have left it there she purchased it from an old music teacher in the nineteen sixties oh that wow. she had. Uh, and yeah, earlier this year is when they found out it's a small, it's a shorter scale uh, yeah. six string worth 15 Ks. Talk about your pre-war Martins. Uh, Joe actually is the woman's name and she's 85 years old and is currently going through chemotherapy treatment for breast cancer and uh, to uh, help offset some of the costs. They've actually set up a, f- it's called a give a little page. The GoFundMe type uh, thing. sort of deal. Right, exactly. Uh, which you can go check out. Uh, her name is Margaret Simpson. You can go search that on the Give a Little website, uh, and then they're also if you if you're interested in buying that guitar, they're selling it okay f- uh, for her on a site called Studio One Vintage. Oh wow, uh, that you can go check out as well. So, that's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I uh, yeah, let's see here. I do like that man. I love those stories where they find shit like that. It's just so cool. It gives you a little bit of hope that those things are still exist out in the world, and that like they, I you know, I, I sometimes get a little jaded thinking we're never going to find any more cool shit. Although I guess I'm, we we do know well strung guitars, and they seem to <laughs> still going. Offset that every week. They got to stop. Um, well, and you know what else? It's we forget that like some people live in like giant like you know houses or farmhouses and stuff like I, i'm always like oh in my two-bedroom apartment i know exactly what everything is in there at all times but then you're like oh yeah maybe if they've had a house for like it passed through their yeah, family for a right. hundred years and you know a big you know four or five bedroom house and maybe like different people lived there and all that stuff so it's uh i love stories like that man yeah me too man uh, oh, by the way i have an update uh, i realized we were talking through last week the uh, moger foger pedals mm and uh, we were saying, hey, there's seven pedals in that line, but it's the MF, it goes MF 101 through 108, but they skip 106. And I did a little, a little digging on that because I, I was curious. Yeah. And uh, it turns out they have that reserved specifically for April Fool's jokes. So they can like do goofy little things and jokes they've done a few times. They <laughs> that has been the MF one oh six in the past. So if anyone was really dying to know, okay, uh, now you know. Uh, oh, here we go. Let's uh, let's get back to the BFI that I skipped over earlier because it's kind of funny. Yeah. and also an update that is worthy of the Symphony of Corrections because we've been following this story already in the past. <clears throat> uh, actually, it was back in August. Gibson won a lawsuit over Dean guitars, Dean, right? Yeah, exactly, and that meant they could no longer manufacture, advertise, sell guitars that infringe on Gibson's ES, SG, Explorer, and V, and then the Hummingbird Word. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. As a result, Dean was ordered to stop producing anything involving that and also take any mention of those models and pictures of the stuff out of their literature and websites, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently they didn't really do that on some stuff. And so then Gibson was like, hey, uh, you're still putting this. I think it was their catalog or something like that. You're still doing this stuff. They're doubling down. They're getting them. Uh, It was actually, yeah, their 2021 product catalog. 
and uh, it was for specifically their VNZ model. So uh, yeah, now Gibson is suing, suing them again. again. Come on. Uh, and, and there has not, as of yet, been a response from Dean. Just so. crushing the little guys, man. Yeah, it's 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 we talk about it a lot and it's annoying because it's like you have to do it if you have the trademark, you're obligated legally to Mm -hmm. protect it. It still just sucks to have to see it happening with like you're you're hurting the entire industry by doing that. I think I thought you were going to say like they were going to have to surrender all their Dean guitars and run them over with a bulldozer or something. Oh, it, that was a uh, wow. I, I when was that Firebird incident? How many years ago? At it this was, point? I think it was summer of 2019. Well, so it's pre the shit. I think it was pre the shit. Wow, yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. four times what those were like simpler <laughs> times. We, did we have the internet yet? <laughs> did we have this podcast yet? We sure as shit did. What year did we start this? 2018? Who's to say? Who's who knows? I think we're no. We're, I think it was. I think it was spring of 2019, and then we March or we moved, April. Yeah, because you moved in here like shortly after we started it. Oh, interesting. And we were talking about it here in this very room, so I remember. But I do remember it was pre. pre wow, pre- good mem, good mems over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I'm gonna be honest. I have this. I have some more stuff in here, but I can't really remember what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some more gear thoughts that I apparently oh, wanted to thoughts. apply. Uh, and I'm trying. I'm trying to read through these right now. And are you going to uh, talk? About- oh, here. You know what? I think. I, here we go. I've got a question for you. Let's yeah, do it. I've I got a question it. for you, buddy. This is a little non sequitur gear thought question. <laughs> Let's see if I can figure that. I was watching this. I think it was. Oh, I was watching a woodworking video. But somehow they were talking about this idea. He's talking where he was talking to a professional golfer, and they were talking about whether if that professional golfer was given a perfect custom set of clubs made to them, mm. would that make more of a difference to them, the, the professional golfer or the relative amateur who was like learning, you know, wasn't quite someone who had never played before, but someone who was like basically about as amateur as you can get. Well, who would it make more a, of a, a difference to? And they thought said that it was the, they thought that it was the, the more of the amateur. Yeah. And I was going to pose the same question to you that if you could, if you think that like, if you think that between, I don't want to say someone like you or I to be arrogant, but someone that's been around for a long time playing guitars knows what we love and has. If we, if someone like that is has a ton of experience with that sort of stuff, was to be given the opportunity to have a custom instrument and rig made for sure. them, would that make more of a difference to you, or would it make more of a difference to someone that was just learning, just starting out, had started, you know, could do the basics and whatnot? Do you think it would make more, more of a difference to you or them? A, a custom made one too, specifically, because exactly. I can only speak on something that's just a better. Quality and by custom, instrument. I mean something that that is that is per, that is perfectly suited to what you should it's, or want. Yeah, to like do. for instance, like um, like neck width and like just like yeah, you know, exactly. Like that. That's a really good question. It's hard to answer. Yeah, but I want to say I think it still makes makes more sense to like the lower level player because it's like an upgrade. Tell me why. And you're saying for them to play the custom instrument that was made for me, not a custom instrument that was made for them. You each would have a custom instrument made oh, for okay. you. Who would it make yeah. more of a difference to in terms of just everything that comes with being being a musician, playing and yeah. growing and doing things with it and loving it? And That's a good question, man. I like that. I, I think the, I don't know, not to like, I feel very like comfortable and like, I'm definitely don't think I could 
not learn more and play better and always be getting better. Mm-hmm. But I'm very comfortable with my level of playing and my like technique and just the way I sound, the way I approach songs. I think it would help someone more who's still trying to get, and I'm not by any means like a great musician or anything like that, but I found my style. I'm very comfortable with the way I play and I think it works in the bands I play in and all that stuff. So for me, I'm, I'm content enough to be like, oh, this will be a cool thing to, to to mess around with. But somebody who's still trying to like get better and better and better and better every single day might find more use for a, a custom instrument like that. Yeah, is that kind of the question? I think I think I'm I think I'm in the same boat with you, my friend. Like I by no means think I'm amazing at playing, but I love my style, and I I don't I'm happy if I just like if I never get any better, I'm kind of just happy. I'm just like, all right, I can, I can get around. Yeah. If we're, if you're at a, if you're at a freaking 98, this might take you to a hundred, but you're already at a 98. Whereas someone that is at an earlier stage, it might take them to a different or better or further place. If they early at, if earlier on, they had yeah. a thing that really was able to grow with them and be a, a, a something that helped them express and, and be the musician that they could always be. Yeah. I think, and they, it could even take them exactly like almost in a different, trajectory mm-hmm. over where where i'm like i'm an old man now you know i'm kind of just like i'm happy just playing the style that i play and I'm, I'm content with like my level of like being able to get around sure i could always get better at music theory and stuff but i don't think the the instrument would necessarily make me better at that you know it's more like a technique mm-hmm. kind of a muscle you know you've got the muscle memes at this point yeah so i'm just i'm happy with that but that's a that's a really interesting question man. it's yeah i don't know that i agree i agree with you that i don't really feel like i have a, a fully cogent thought on it if i was striving to like get better every day and i was like practicing all the time and like watching videos and Mm -hmm. learning new songs and following along with cover songs and stuff then i would be like oh this might maybe the custom instrument might help me achieve that that next level if you set a new goal for yourself yeah but i don't i don't set goals regarding music anymore which and if you do or don't but that i think that that's this is that's just making our point that someone younger probably is is setting more goals and doing that because they haven't achieve those things yet so dude i was i was listening to some older records recently of stuff that i recorded probably i don't know 15 years ago or something like that and uh my playing was like way crazier than it is now it was busier and it was it was almost like more exhausting to listen to Hmm. so i you know i don't want to say i got worse but i just got more content in like playing simpler stuff confident in in the groove yeah i think so i don't know if that's That's a great place to be I love it. I'm very happy with my capabilities. You got you got the groove. I I sent you that one song that we just like randomly jammed out that one time. Yeah, uh, Recently that I found on my phone. <laughs> that really was fun. Funny, where I think it was you like making a loop with your voice it yelling a, through the pickup. I yelled through the pickup. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> well, that, no, but that the point is, I was actually listening. I was like, damn, that whatever you were playing was a pretty pretty sweet little repetitive. Like, yeah trancy bass groove i really liked it yeah that'll work you know so really like, that'll do you know what else will do what you're getting your freaking phone out oh is it time oh it's <laughs> dude you got lucky today because i almost <laughs> is it time you got lucky is today my time? friend is it time for dave's docs is it time is it time is it time for dave's docs yeah, that was huge, man. One for it. Feeling a little goofy tonight. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm overcompensating because I'm feeling actually super brain dead, like way more than normal yeah. today. So uh, it's been a long, this is a long work. Yeah, week we don't here. do a lot of like post work day, mm-hmm. you know, middle of the week. So, so I'm overcompensating with with goofer. Well, goofers. I overcompensated with uh, 
another short documentary because it was a crazy week for me as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I I watched another Rock and Roll True Stories, which are always kind of my fun go-to. Um, not just because they're short and they don't cover a lot, so you kind of have to do a little background research on some of them, mm-hmm. but they pick a lot of obscure topics and like kind of bands that you haven't thought about in a long, long time. Dude, you know what's really interesting? I just recently, in my YouTube feed, got a Rock and Roll True Stories, and I, and I didn't seek you it out. You never clicked on one, yeah. And I watched it, and I, can't even, I couldn't begin to tell you what it was The right guy, now. and I will say, the guy's voice gets pretty annoying. You know, he's got that YouTube, like... And then what happened was, and he goes really fast. So if you're trying to take notes like me, got to pause it a lot. So the literally, dude, I'm not kidding you. The documentary I watched was four minutes long, and I probably it probably took me like 20 minutes to watch it. I also did a little background research on the band because I care. Well, let's see how 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 many minutes we talk about a four minute documentary. And we could we could go. Maybe. <laughs> Do you All remember right, what is it about? Do you remember a little go. band in the mid '90s called Space Hog? Oh my hell yeah! I do. Remember that song in the meantime? I, I very much do. Yes, honestly, maybe one of my favorite songs of the '90s. Like, like mm. as far as like a pop song, one hit wonder. Ripping, ripping bass line. Well, I watched a little mini documentary about that song and that band specifically. Wait, before we go any further, I have to say one of our former guests, Stingray Matt Skronsky. Before he was Stingray, he was Space Hog. That was his uh, nickname. Everyone, you've mentioned him. that, yeah. We talked. We probably we must have talked about it on that episode. Which, yeah, probably don't even need to go back and listen to that one. It's well, so if he's old. listening, I'm so. Oh, I'm, oh we know this he's, one's we for know you, buddy. Listen, but he, yeah, he used to be known as when I met him. He was introduced to me as Space Hog. That's so funny. Yeah, Dad, he's just one of those guys who's always had a nickname. The best nicknames that anyone's ever had. Basically. I've never had one, you know, and that's fine. I, what do you, have we not come up with one well, an official Gearbuds nickname for you? People call me Veller a lot. Like a lot yeah. of my friends call me Veller, right. which is fine because there's also like a lot of Daves in my crew. But um, <laughs> in, my, in my in my in my loose circle, you make it sound like you're a Fast and Furious. I am, uh, dude. I'm a street racer. Situation. <laughs> so, Space Hog, the story yes. of In the Meantime by boom, Rock and Roll boom, True boom, Stories. Boom, 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 dude. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Amazing baseline, right? <laughs> well, he also sings lead, the main the main yeah. guy. Uh, you're going to like this. All right, let me just kind of go through his, my notes Do you here. know what his name was? I do. I wrote it down. But uh, the album was called Resident Alien. And if you remember, the cover artwork was pretty, like, stand out to me when I was a youngster. Uh, it's like a picture of, like, kind of like a Visa passport. And then it has, like, a, a hand-drawn, like, alien guy in the... Like a cartoon alien in the little window where your picture would go. Oh, yeah. But it's got like, it says like Visa on it. And it's kind of like, it looks like an official passport. So that's kind of a creative thing, I thought. Um, sold half a million copies in the first eight months that record did. They and were how many months? Eight. It's pretty good. <sighs> wow, that was the 90s, wasn't it? Dude, their rise to fame was like less than a year. Did you say where they're from? So check this out. So they were, uh, they formed in New York City. But it was two brothers, brother band. Brother bands. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, they were an English rock band from Leeds, West Yorkshire. So from the UK. Didn't, don't, did, did not know that. Moved over here when they were like, I think the singer was like 20 when he moved to New York. Um, with hopes, of, hopes and dreams of being a rock star. And Wait, it, so who are the brothers in the band? So the brothers' names are um, Royston and Anthony Langdon. Cool. Uh, Coolest names. Yeah, so he's the... Anthony, Royston, that Royston's that the singer. Slams. He's the singer who plays bass. Which also, I did a little checklist for myself. Uh, brothers band check. 
Lead bass vocals, check. <laughs> Sweet bass lines, check. So that's a three check. We're, this is going to be a high rating on this one, let me tell you. I think so. Um, by the way, guys, if you haven't listened in the meantime by Space Hog, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe, because, yeah, honestly, Pause seriously, the episode. Honestly, it's I, a fantastic I, Very rarely would I say that. That song, that song rips. It and holds it's up not, really well. It's not like an easy song. Like no, I, so. um, I heard a band jamming it down the hall one night a couple of years ago at the Space, and they were crushing it. And I almost... Very few times have I wanted to go to the door and just be like, that was fucking awesome. Party on, bro. Yeah, dude. Space Hog. So anyways, they moved to New York. Uh, they formed they formed Space Hog in 94. Mm-hmm. They started off as another band um, that he had when they were still in Leeds. And uh, he, they basically took all those songs, came over to, the, to New York, and just formed like another band and then played a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really say when they wrote this one, but I think it may have occurred from the previous band called The Zeros. Um, if you know, they kind of were looked at as like a glam, a glam rock kind of Bowie queen T-Rex kind of style, hmm. you know, that was sort of their thing. Um, I honestly, I'm trying to think if I've ever even heard another song that is in the meantime, like another st- like that kind of, Oh, off another the song by space. Hall. So I was thinking about it on the way over here and I was like, I wonder if I should pop that record on. Cause I don't really know any of the other songs either. Yeah. And it'd be fun to listen to now with like, kind of just knowing what I know and like kind of just the way I hear music now. And I was like, Nah, you're just gonna leave it as. No, it is. I think I'm gonna listen to it at some point. Ma- maintain the mystery. Very rarely in life like do we do get that. presented with opportunities to maintain that, that level of mystery, and I I respect. If I someone's respect like, it if you're just like, what I'm other not, song do I'm they have? Leave it alone. I have no idea. So, anyways, within like one year, less than a year of um of moving to New York City, they got signed by Sire Records, which was a sister label of Elektra Records. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, and then they wrote, so then they kind of get into talking about the song. Now, if you remember the intro of the song, there's like a dial tone and it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just loops. Well, there's a little story behind that. So, uh, that was a good job. Now that, now that I know what you're doing. And then it goes. It's a great intro. Um, and by the way, that song is mixed beautifully. I can't speak for the rest of the album. So good. It's just perfect, man. The drums are huge. Everything just sounds so big. Um, so there was a, there was a band called Penguin Cafe Orchestra (laughs) and there's a song called Telephone and Rubber Band and it uses that tone that do, 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 do. And it's a little slower and it's just kind of going in a, you know, and it, that's more of like a weird orchestry kind of a no vocals kind of, you know, weird, arterial, strange song. Well, he heard that and he got that stuck in his head. But he recognized the sound because what that actually is, is um, it's a so in the UK, when we used to use landlines, you would go to call somebody and once in a while it would cross over. So you would get a ringtone mixed with an uh, like with a uh, what do you call it with like an actual like an engaged phone. So it was two tones hitting mm. together at the same oh. time. So I think that's how that first band sampled it. And they were just like, let's just try to like, you know, make these two things happen cool. at once. And they got it. So, and I thought they replayed it on a guitar and then I went and listened to the, in the meantime, and it's actually the real dial tone, it's just the dial tone. sound. So cool. it's kind of cool. And it goes through like the whole song, which I never really noticed. I didn't know that. Um, so I thought that was kind of fucking cool. Uh, quintessential Rickenbacker bass tone, obviously. Some pretty decent gear spots when I get to it, too. Um, they instantly went on a tour with the Black Crows and Oasis. And this is like 95, so you're talking about like the two biggest bands. First record comes out, then they go tour just with them. Just opening up for them, but like sure. instantly just being like massive success. 
Um, I just watched something about I, that. Might have been actually the rock and roll true stories I watched. I, it, I think it might have been the actually one? no the no. I uh, about how uh, band a bunch of bands didn't like. Uh, they got in a bunch of feuds with Black Crows. Yep, that was uh, as I was skimming through today. I was like, it was, it was every band that's ever hated playing with the Black yeah, Crows exactly. or something. Like that. Which, by the way, the guy uses really funny. Um, yeah, like what was the one last week? It was like Moby, but then it was like why this and that, like, like didn't like why the, why know. Flea doesn't like Moby? Yeah, like or why these bullshit. people don't like it and yeah. they never mentioned they it. In the yeah, thing. that that the, they are definitely click clickbaity. Click that's titles. what I was looking for. So, anyways, um, this song. Topped the rock charts in 95, all over the radio, and... 95? Where were you in 95, I was 13 years old. Actually, I was probably closer to 12, because in the summer of 95, I was still 12. Mm. Um, But I remember being at my buddy John Camp's house and listening to this this song. We just... Back then, you would put songs on repeat. Did you ever do that? Absolutely. I never really listened to records till, like, later, like, when I was, like, in high school and college and stuff. But, Mm. yeah, we would just listen to the same song over and over again, which is, again, why I haven't heard the rest of the album. But I'm sure it's got some bangers. (laughs) Anyways... It actually got up to 42 on the U.S. pop charts as well. So it wasn't just mm. on the rock charts. Um, it was also featured in Rock Band 5 and Guitar Hero 3. Now, you'd probably say, well, this guy probably Definitely made, played it in Guitar Hero 3. This guy probably played it, made a ton of money off this song. Nope. He revealed in an interview that he sold the rights at some point to the publishing and uh, probably didn't get... That's probably how it ended up on Guitar Hero and all that stuff because, mm. you know, a lot of this stuff they just pick out of the barrel. But that's a bummer because that's a damn that good a song. And that's uh, a great song. Who knows? Uh, they released a few more records. They broke up in two thousand two. They got back together in two thousand eight. Oh, two thousand two. They made it. For, they made it a while. Oh yeah. They actually said they released several records and they started flashing all the images. And I was like, oh, that's like four or five more records mm. after that. So it's quite a bit. But I guess even back then you could still. This is still pre Napster days and stuff when you could just release records and mm-hmm. one after another and shit. Um, they didn't talk much about them like touring anymore. I'll be honest. I even went to the Wikipedia and not a lot of information about this band. Hmm. Um, they finally released their most recent. I'm sure they're broken up by now, but uh, 2013 they released a record as well. Now, wow, it's pretty good gear spots, man. Let's hear because it, it, it sounds like they would have some good gear. They played cool. They, they're good. They're good musicians. Good musicians. Cool gear. Like like they had that cool. Everybody in the you know early '90s, I don't think a lot of people were really playing like vintage gear and like cool like I don't know, just like the kind of stuff I would think of today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I guess it's just, it's like we always want to say what we do is the coolest stuff, but I mean, yeah, it is the coolest stuff. We have uh, we have the hindsight of of all of rock and roll having happened in, already. I, I you could argue that in the early to mid '90s there was a surge of like technology based type stuff coming out you know like line six amps and like you know stuff that was like maybe yeah. solid state was really popular like so in the video they've got uh he's rocking a black rickenbacker bass with a step- was it a th- 4003 or was it an older one no i think it's a three i think it was 4003 because mm-hmm. that when did those come out they start coming out like 81 or something like they when they switched from 4001 to three i think you're right i think that's the year mid- yeah. in the 80s um with a studded leather guitar strap, so recognize. Sick. They looked really cool in this video. I, I urge everybody to go watch <laughs> it. Um, Silver Sparkle Gretsch Duo Jet, which was fucking gorgeous. Mm. And they showed that a few times with the live stuff and in the video. So I was kind of like, all right, this is like his guitar. I'll be honest. If I sell the JM in the uh, Going back to the SVT, I've been, th- I've been <laughs> deeply considering uh, Duo Jet. <clears throat> Duo Jet, huh? Yeah. 
I mean, like a new one? No. Because no, the I'm, new ones are even like 2500 Oh, no. If, and if I were to get a new one, I would get a Steven Stern oh. master bill and those... Start used around the six six K or so. So baby, um, Gibson uh, fifty seven style gold top Les Paul, mm. which is mm. what the other guitar player was playing. Uh, check this out, Marshall full stacks. Uh, on one side they had two Marshall full stacks. Fuck yeah, like and the, that fucking it, like that pool uh, pool side setup. That yeah, we yeah, a lot, it looked a lot like that. <laughs> what were those guys called? The rejects or something? Uh, the, the Nimwits. The Nimwits. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, you're a number one nightmare. But you're right; they did. They, I bet they do. They look like they did. They would rip based on that one guy's guitar with the backwards headstock. Um, and then the and actually, then there were Marshall. It looked like Marshall guitar cabs, but there was like a bass head on it, like um, like the SVT two. So which is like the oh, more modern oh, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, kind of the flat panel on the front, mm-hmm. and then um, but they, I think those were two as well. Max has an SVT two. They're great amps, man. Um. So then, there's this is the look I really like, man. And ever since I watched the uh, the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert, I have to say, the other guitar player, the guy playing the duo jet, had four AC30s stacked up. Oh, so two and two, like a wall of AC30s. Quiet, super quiet, super blasting. Oh. And I I I gotta say, man, that that looks so bad. That might look cooler than any like stack. Was it two by stage. two? Yeah, it was like two, and, and then you're two on sure, top of those. And you're not sure that it wasn't just extension cabs. No, they do make. Oh, maybe like the exact looking either way thing just with cabs. But that fuck. I love especially when they kind of don't match. Like some of them have the lighter tan and stuff. Yeah. Ooh, that might be a, you know, top boost. Um, All right. So then I will say this. This band, they took their gear pretty seriously, man. The drummer had fucking dual kick drums. And one said space, and the other said hog on the on the dual kick drums. Dual kick drums in a nineties rock rock band. band, Yeah, it's kind of. I think these guys were a little ahead of their time, man. I gotta say, Space Hog doesn't get enough. I kind of want to start a band and specifically require that it is double kick drum. You should no do like what. a looking for drummer ad. Like I'm looking for a drummer, and then they have, but the requirement is they have to have two. Kick Must drums. have at least two at kick least drums. two. If you have three, that'd be great too. Open to more. <laughs> Open to more. Open for discussion. So, anyways, pretty fun, pretty good little short doc. Didn't have a lot of time this week. I urge everybody to check out Space Hog. Just listen to the song, and if you want to dive a little deeper, watch some rock and roll true stories. And tell us what you think if there if we should actually listen to any song that is it in the meantime. I yeah. love that n- both of us know that song deeply. Like I could probably play the bass it's, part. It's been stuck in my head since before I decided to watch that. Like I was like, oh, I'll watch the Space Hog one. Then I had a little dinner. And while I was eating dinner, I was like, (laughs) in the meantime, anyways, seven out of 10 hogs. Check it out. Oink, oink, baby. Maybe I do have to go listen to this. I always do this. I hype myself up and now I feel like I got to go listen to the whole record. I just don't want to be let down. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I'll force myself to force myself to vomit. That kind of attitude. I don't know what I'm talking about. The nitwits do that fucking... It was two Marshall stacks and a Ampeg stack. Balancing on a homemade stage on a uh, oh, above the water on a sw- in a swimming pool. Yeah, pretty pretty wonderful. Got a little. I did I notice was... the center post. I think that's holding it all together. Did you see that? Like under the stage because you could see where the water goes under. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like one post in the middle, and I was like, that thing is is holding all load of bearing load bearing posts. <laughs> And did you notice the little Zen waterfall behind it? No, I didn't. There was a little that. rock, like a little rock waterfall right behind the drum set. 
There is literal rock waterfall happening when they get on that stage and tumble into the fucking. Oh pool, my god! Only what. the nitwits. Oh man! All right, dude. Let's dive into a little future. Good days, doc. Let's talk, we, man. We're making it happen this we week. Are. It's probably it's not going to be quite a B for this week, folks. Uh oh, you know. Okay, I want to start by saying we don't. I wouldn't say that we necessarily. There are certain brands that we talk about a lot around here, mm. but I wouldn't say that we're, we wouldn't. We don't play favorites. But I would say that anytime warm audio is mentioned, we, mm. we both get a little excited. And they I do cool stuff. I say because I've experienced using their equipment. And exactly. I really enjoy it. Okay. Same same deal. I, yeah. I own multiple warm audio things currently. And they have announced a couple of pretty interesting pedals. You know, I've got that freaking. What is that? I always forget what that is. Like the Fox Tone Machine the Foxy, one, the fuzzy pedal. Foxy Fuzz or something? Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, then it, one of the coolest pedals I own for sure. They have now announced two new pedals. One is the Centavo, which is a vi- completely accurate take on a Klon Centaur. Cool. Even in a like box that looks like theirs. That's cool. Just going for it going for it and then also i don't know if you're familiar with this one but if you're not you should check this pedal out it's a it's a take on the uh, direct clone i should say of the hermida audio zen drive it's that one drive pedal it's like kind of you know standard smaller hammond box size what are 1590 bucks uh four knobs on it and it's got a little yin yang yep it's th- it's that okay and it's actually it as because there is a company uh it's love pedal is still ho- the license holder on that they have you know worked with them and cleared it and made it all all good and stuff right. uh, but it's the same deal it's like direct clone and before you know with a, with that pedal you have to like wait and it's custom and oh really yeah because it's like it's, not, it's, it's not as easy as easy to get but uh well i do i i'm very excited about the centavo because i, I as you know have been saying i kind of want to get a, cl- a clone yeah i don't have i mean in, in our K, I in, say. you know in our in our gear bud gear budded relationship have you you've never had a, a, a centaur i've never had a real clone i've uh i've made clone circuits okay with like not the probably not the right sure uh exact special special components or whatever because those are special components do you hear that yeah oh it's some sort of saw oh i thought it was a cat no it's a saw oh your uh your neighbor's with the garage open doing some doing some saw shit uh cool uh but this one actually uses the real tl072 op amps in quote-unquote premium diodes which i guess is the deal it's gold like the original enclosure here's the deal they also and you can't see it from the front but on the back there's a little switch okay and that's the mod switch and apparently there's some and i wasn't even actually aware of this there's a famous clon mod that they people call the jeff beck mod that i guess adds more low-end thump hmm and that is what this switch does. Is he kind of the 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 main, I guess, signature artist to use a clone? Oh, signature artist. That's an interesting one. I wonder. <clears throat> I would. Say, I mean, John Mayer comes to mind. Okay. I think of Nels Klein. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't say signature, but somebody famous who like is known to yeah. use this. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder. Jobo's probably got one, right? You know, Jobo's <laughs> all over the clone train. Dude, hell yeah. Jobo invented the clone. <laughs> he did. He partnered up, man. <laughs> uh so very excited about that then also and in the and i've and i've also played these and i've never actually owned one but the then again they're also they have this take on the um and i think it's interesting that they're that uh 
a company like Love Pedal, who has the rights and still makes a version of this, would be willing to partner with Just another like, company like Warm Audio and do it. Yeah. But it, it must make sense for them. Warm Audio getting in the pedal game, man. I'm not mad about it. Have that. they always? I mean, because the, the Foxy Fuzz has been around for a minute, right? A few years at least? Yeah, I don't think it's that. No, I got that on a, on, some, on some sort of sale. So it was definitely after it had been out for a minute. So yeah. it's, that's definitely been at least a couple of years. I'd say I would guess it like 2019. Okay, my guess on that yeah, one. Fair guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of that pedal, by the way. I'm gonna have to break that thing out again. It is, without question, one of the coolest sounding pedals I own, fuzz or not. It does a couple really awesome things. Yeah, especially I love it with the octave up switching. Yeah, pitch. right. That's right. I forgot it had that. It screeches like a kitty in all yeah, the does. best ways. Like a power saw. <laughs> the power saw outside <laughs> my apartment. Uh, okay, here. We, oh wait, before, before we leave, uh, I didn't even get to ask him a fair question. What do you think they cost? Let's Ooh. start with the, the uh, Centavo. I'm gonna say the Centavo because I know there's some. There's some. By good, the way, they're available now. Okay, that's good. To know. Mm-hmm. There's some. There's some good clon like you know copies or whatever you want to call them. Clones. Clon clones. Clones. It just feels so weird saying it next I know. to each other. Some good clon clones out there. That clon you, clon clon clones. That you can get for like a pretty decent price, I feel like. I own a Soul Food by HX, which yeah. is pretty dang good, yeah. but those are new, like 70 bucks, I That's think. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah. Or probably, you know, 73, 47 or whatever random that, price. Is it Earthquaker or somebody? Somebody else makes one that I really like. Everyone makes a frequent one. The best, the, the best that I've used was the Archer, I think, uh, that I really liked okay. by J Rocket. There are so many though, yeah. so you never know. And Daredevil Pedals, I think, makes. I don't, I don't, th- I don't know if he has a clone. All right, don't, don't. I don't know. Don't clone. Don't him. hold me to don't that. Don't clone him on this. Don't clone me to that. Uh, I'm gonna say 150 for the for the clone clone. 179. But it, remember, it comes in that like fancier enclosure, so I think yeah. that's part of the reason. And then now let's let me ask you the, about the Zen Drive. Uh, what do you think? I that think one we're is? going up on the Zen Drive because those are you said those are you know quite particular, and you might have to. Get a little waiting period going on for something like that. I'm gonna say two fifty. Oh, dude, one forty nine. Woo, one forty nine. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, went the other a, direction. Wow, that's like a lot cheaper. It's in a much simpler enclosure. Okay. I think is probably the main reason. Yeah. They definitely both have special things going on. Hmm. I'm sad, and you know, that, and that's the thing is, I don't know. I don't want to ever fully call myself a fanboy for anything, but I, I always do really like warm audio stuff. They just somehow manage yeah. to get you. 98% of the way to something that's like way more expensive and unobtainium otherwise. Didn't they open a studio in Austin? I think that sounds Is that where it that was? That sounds right. And it was like all warm audio everything. I would love to go in there and check that out. I wonder if it's cold. It's got to be nice and mm. toasty. Toasty in here. Yeah, you had to do a little strap for me. Uh, dude, Uncle Dave's going to need another beer. Uncle Dave. <laughs> We got freaking a couple more things to talk about. Uh, this one I was actually surprised to see. It's been out uh, announced for a couple weeks, and I forgot. I forgot to talk. We actually, I didn't. I wouldn't say I forgot to talk about it. We just have had so it's much gear busy. come out lately. Yeah. Uh, you might remember a little brand of interface that everyone had for a while called the M Box. Absolutely, maybe one of the first I've ever heard of. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably the same for a lot. A lot of us freaking boomers that mm-hmm. are been around all these days. <laughs> and and you might also notice that it feels like they kind of like disappeared, right? That it was like the, everyone else sort of took over and Mbox good was point. no longer a deal. Yeah, I remember when I first wanted to get into recording and my buddy was like, just get an Mbox. 
and I'll give you like a hacked version of Pro Tools or something when you could still use that, you know? Um, so where did they go? Well, I don't know where they went, but I'll oh. tell you where they are now. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> now they are back in the form of the Mbox Studio. Ooh. Their new interface. Back compatible in the game. with Mac and Windows. It's USB-C, as you would hope for a new thing would be to be these days. And includes a one-year subscription to Pro Tools Studio, which is a thing we've talked about that Pro Tools for a while has been on the subscription model now. Yeah. You don't really just own it outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also compatible with other DAWs. You can use it as a sort of like a plug-in within your other DAWs. Uh, it has, as a lot of these things do now, and I'm going to show you a picture of it in a second, uh, a bunch of different stuff going on. It's not just, uh, you know, the olden days where it was you'd got some ins and outs and plug it into your computer and be fucking happy because that's what you get. Now it's like, hey, we figured out how people use these things all the time. We're going to tailor some special functionality Ooh, to I it. I like this. I do too. User friendly. Absolutely. So it's got a good combination of analog, digital, and MIDI. Uh, it has a total of 21 in input, inputs and 22 outputs with, you know, breakout cables and digital things and whatnot. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and Avid actually is making the claim that it's more than any other desktop audio interface, which I should add again, it's, uh, or I don't know if I should take again, it is a desktop audio interface. It's not a rack uh, unit. It's probably, and I'll show you a picture. It's maybe like 1.75 times the size of my, uh, Apollo or, uh, yeah, the, uh, Apollo over yeah, here. Gotcha. Uh, desktop guy uh it's got uh the same preamps that you get in the company's six s6l and pro tools carbon systems which are definitely higher end much more expensive interfaces you know that that, that i should add they do sell right that you're asking me where they've been they, they still have been making stuff but it's still it's, they've mostly been selling like the more high end <clears> stuff it is interesting though because i i just thought like where have they been considering the surge of like at home recording devices uh, sure. where these guys were yeah. the, were kind of the biggest you know for a minute or you know, definitely maybe were. the most well known everyone i i never I, you know i had i had like the one of the smaller ones but i that was later on in my recording early days uh, but this one also adds a thing that I really like about the Universal Audio stuff. I said that really funny. Universal Audio stuff uh, that I have back there, and that's built-in DSP-powered uh, EQ reverb plugins, etc. Cool. So it includes uh, EQ delay and reverb. Uh, there's also independent cue mixing and low latency tracking, which is a big thing. So you, you don't have to deal with all the shenanigans involved with. Uh, latency uh for guitarists the studio offers variable zmp and switching on the input so you can change the tone of the guitar when recording direct Ooh. to complement your effects chain interesting built-in tuner now that's something into you the interface something you don't see every day built-in tuner i wish i had a built-in tuner in my focus right now you got one in your brain and your fingies damn right you're got locked in with that perfect going. pitch uh it has built-in into the interface dsp powered uh amp guitar amp plugins from their 11 you might remember that sort of orange guitar modeling interface called the 11 it's got stuff from that the mark ii version of that and then bx rock track or rock rack plugins uh even with stomp box effects so this is again built into the dsp of this interface uh it's got assignable buttons on the top and it's very colorful i'll show you a picture of it uh and then there's also an audio loopback feature so you can hear external sources and cool. re record along to it uh, two sets of headphone outputs, which I th always nice. love to see that. That's and real that nice. That is a big deal. 
these days uh, because this is something that can be used by us freaking podcasters. Mm -hmm. It has buttons on the top that are assignable for things like us podcasters or streamers or other content creators who want quick access to very sort of random functionality you'd want to have. It's like a mute button or something like that. Whatever your heart desires, my friend, you can assign it on the top. You can program it. Uh, Pretty cool. Uh, even and I should and I should really say this is a super cool feature has built in talkback mic, which again the Universal Audio has, but not everything has that. No, mine doesn't. I mean, right. a lot of the ones I've used don't. Sure don't. Oh wow, that's cool. So I want to show you actually. I want to show. Yeah, you let me see a picky. That's a top view. Oh wow. It's sort of angled like an arcade cabinet, oh, kind of in some way. Yeah. I like that. That's got a lot going on. You know, that's something. And those are like the sort of assignable buttons. And like, I, I would imagine the tuner is displayed on those meters right there. I mean, it almost, it, you know, it almost looks like a digital interface from the top, which I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Uh, I feel like no one's really taken advantage of that in the same way. I don't think I've seen anything quite like Mm-mm. this. Because I, you know, you've seen the basic ones, you know, you get your like phantom power buttons and your knobs and stuff like sure. that. But that's like some pretty cool shit. Get yeah, a cough they, mic on there, dude. There's a cough. <laughs> it's they're they're next level and, and no but truly especially if you're if you've got a desktop setup and you and i th- and and again it's 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 avid it's they're they're going for a mid mid to high prosumer market it's not like the cheapest focus they're not going after focus rights market or anything sure, like that sure. uh but also it's very I, I just i really love the combination of the fact that you know you get the same preamps that they put in all their other high-end products so mm-hmm. they're going to be good preamps and all the functionality on the front with the buttons and all that's, the shenanigans. That's, yeah, that's a big selling Different headphone outputs and controls. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, I think if I was, if I was in a market where I didn't personally have an interface and ne- had the needs that I have right now. Yeah. This would be the top no of my brainer. list. Yeah. That said. What are we talking? Did you, you didn't happen to sneak a peek when we I were didn't. down there? I'm Good. not that sneaky. No. Uh, I, gotta start I just like that. looking at it. It's, it's actually really no, cool. No, it's I like very pleasing to the eye. And they, and they leaned into the purple, which they always mm-hmm. used to use, which I, I actually like. Um, See, I just always thought of like those as being like inexpensive. Like the old stuff, you know, from 10 years ago or whatever, even 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like it was... You know, you could find them on Craigslist all the time for like fifty bucks and stuff. Like a, just a little cheap interface, just plug mm, something. M box, I think so. Maybe right. like the out, really out of date ones. I don't know. They never. Maybe I was, feel like they never got below like a hundred bucks. Maybe a hundred. Like the cheapest. Maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah. Or something. Because we used one for uh, demoing some some Blaine stuff. Like it must have been like twenty ten or something. M box like two. Or and we something. had it all rigged up so shitty and like it was like the silver one with like the purple all the purple knobs on it. I think. Mm. Yeah, just real basic. Um, through GarageBand probably. Um. I would say, because it's got a lot of fancy buttons on it. I'm gonna you say got a lot of fancy buttons on it. Yeah, not today, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say 4.99. I'm going low. Oh, you want low today, and that didn't pay off for you. Eight 8.99. Okay, so they're going. Yeah, it's a little fancier. I like that, and I think I think they did. I think they priced it correctly. I yeah. do. They'll probably eventually put out a, sl- a smaller scaled down version that'll it's be true. cheaper. But the, uh, for this type of where you get the two, uh, for, I know I'm coming back to like the headphones a lot, but it's got, I think it has four XLR inputs. And yeah. It's two headphone outputs. It's such a nice that's, thing to have. That's big, man. Cause even, you know, even the two that I have at the practice space, we always even use the, the Y splitter for the third guy. Sure. You know, just doing like band stuff. And you can set separate 
Q mixes for them, set, cool. set the levels independently, yeah. all that sort of stuff. That's a big, That's yeah, nice. you can split as much as you want with one headphone output, but to be able to split two independent signals is pretty nice. Uh, stereo signals, I should say. So heck, heck yeah, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm high on this one. Do you remember what those, um, <clears throat> I was kind of comparing it in my mind to, didn't Universal Audio come out with more of like podcaster friendly type little interfaces? Yeah, the Volt. The Volt. I think, that, but those I, were even cheaper, right? They are, and I think I do. Yeah, like I, I, those come to mind for sure. I, I so think those are a little higher. lower. I think those are a, a little more directly going after Focusrite. Yeah, but like, and then also offering a slightly higher end version of it too, with like four inputs or something. But yeah, that I, th- I, th- I think this is somewhere in between maybe going after the Universal Audio type of person a little bit. Yeah. Or Apogee, or honestly, though you can't you can't beat having just like the physical controls on the top. That's little buttons, and it looks it just looks attractive. Don't you feel like you would set up like we don't press a lot of buttons while we're doing this, you know, intentionally because I don't. That's not you know that's not how my setup is right is is rigged. But it's like it almost makes you want to like find uses. Do you want a fart button, Dave? Like I was thinking fart button or like a maybe a little couple soundboard things, you know, (laughs) (laughs) something stupid like that. Oh, we've got a couple. We're going to talk about two more pieces of gear. Let's do it. I'm here, man. Fired up. Tech 21. Getty Lee. Big fan. Bigger fan. Signature Sans Amp pedal. He's had one, I thought. He sure has, my friend. But yeah. He's got another one. Okay, there we go. There it is. In a new colorway or what's going on? It's actually... Okay, so this, there, was, there was originally the previously released YYZ pedal. Yes, yes. This is the YYZ Shapeshifter Signature Sans Amp. Okay. The Good original time. was a pedal version of the company's GED 2112 rack mount, which is, of, I mean, GED 2112. Yeah, that's great. Rack mount unit. The YYZ Shapeshifter is a new production run of the MP40, which was a limited edition pedal that sold out very quickly upon release. So this is sort of a different thing. Uh, it has a dual foot switch build, one that turns it on and off. The other one has a boost up to 12 decibels. Uh, there's also, true to its name, a excuse me, <clears throat> a shapeshifter button that adds six decibels to the signal, topped off with master volume, mix control, and drive. Currently available for pre-order. Have you ever used one of those pedals, Dave? I haven't. Um... I know people that swear by them. I've I've che- I checked out the other one. This one again, it's like a sort of a different thing. It's it seems like it would be the same because it's called kind of the same thing, but it's actually a different rack. Uh, it's a pro- not approximation, I guess. It's a, they took they shrunk the rack unit down, down and brought it into switch, a pedal. Yeah. Um, I could see it like I could see it really selling to the people who have already had the first edition of it. You know, the first model. If you're already the Getty guy, you're gonna get it. Can I? I mean, I, I talked about it when we did the Rush doc. You know, it is he's out, one of the greatest bass players of all time. Still oh, living. putter around the the point, Dave. What just is it? Not the biggest fan of the tone. You don't like Eddie's tone. It's okay. just real clanky to me. It is clanky. And what's what's funny about that pedal, Tech Twenty One? I believe, and I might be mistaken. I might have fixed it next week in the symphony, but I believe Steve Harris also has a pedal that's like a Tech Twenty One like boost style yes. pedal. And he again. Very clanky, you know, sounding. But anyways, not my sound. But uh, I can see like people really, really liking it. So yeah, I, 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 I like Sans amps. 
I like I do oh, like yeah. Eddie's sound, but I don't play a jazz bass. I feel like if you like that sort of sound, and I I just yeah, it's interesting to me that even with Rush not being a band for years now, they're still releasing. Yeah, new signature Rush stuff. Well, they did just play, but they're not like a band, like a touring band. Right, right. Because they did the Hawkins thing, and they also did the um, the South Park thing. Ah, yes. So maybe they're getting ready. Maybe they're trying to figure something out. Maybe that's this is part of the, the whole plan. Maybe right. I think it's, everyone's like nobody wants to play the Neil Peart parts, so they're like we just can't find a drummer. They put up like wanted posters, like must have, must have two. But it also drums. needs to be able to write <laughs> lyrics for the new new tunes. Yes, exactly. It's with. very important. Yeah, it's um, like they don't have anybody. I even get that. it. He's a marketing man, dude. I, you know, respect. Here it is. What are they? What are they asking for? But mm, price time. Two hundred. Two forty nine. Okay. Yeah. Something there. I'm not it's gonna buy there. it. But that's yeah. nice. No, you know what I uh, with Tech Twenty One I really like is if 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 anyone's not into like the Getty clanky kind of sound, <laughs> the Tech Twenty One VT bass is a great uh excellent yeah, bass. Yeah. It's kind of that greenish awesome. looking. That's one. the S V T pedal, dude. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. And everybody swears a lot of people like the one with the black one with the yellow writing, whatever that like the classic Sansamp that everybody uh, has. Ah, yes. Um I think it's just called the Sansamp. Sansamp, yeah. This Tech Twenty One VT bass is it does that kind of digitally fuzzed out kind of overdrivey sound, which I'm not crazy about, but it also has some nice vintage, uh, you know, fuzzes, and you can dial out mm-hmm. some of the top end and stuff like that. It's that's more of yeah, it's just that sounds more like an amp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sans, uh, dude, you know what you you might be interested in this next thing a lot of things to talk about yeah because Dan Electro is back with. Longhorn baritones, baby. Oh man, I feel like baritones are having a moment right now. They are. Ever since I, ever since the Beatles died. <sighs> well, with the you know with the whole basic resurgence, and now all I'm seeing is it could just be that. What's the thing when you think you see something all the time because you saw it? Like a new car, and then all of a sudden, and then everyone's got the same the car. Um, well, now everyone's gonna have a freaking Longhorn baritone on the road. I mean, I'm looking at you, buddy. I mean, I, you know, I like baritones. I, I don't well, think I could work my fingers. I want to cast it dosey. But I also might want one of these because it's in a completely different realm of availability and price. So they're back with a revival of their what I I would consider one of their more eccentric designs. Is that the one with uh, is it the Longhorn? It's the Longhorn yeah, with baritone the with the weird hooky. T- it looks like a cow's head. Yeah, kind yeah, like of a Longhorn, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. It's available in two finishes: copper burst and silver burst. I like that. Return to the roots that intersects with the rapid rise in baritone popularity. See, so, they even said it in the ad. Huh? There it is. Uh, two single coil pickups. They call it an Art Deco body. I don't. I guess is. Would you call that Art Deco? <laughs> I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's It's abstract. I don't know. Twenty four fret maple neck. Fifties. Uh, it's the fifties Longhorn forty six twenty three. Uh, they they back then they called them a six string bass, but these days people would more like be likely to call it a baritone it's around i don't think it's 30 inches it's like just under 30 inch and the scale length uh correct me if i'm wrong but the tuning is generally different on a baritone guitar versus like a a six string bass 
exactly. or, a, or a base six or something. Yeah, like because that. That, usually a base six would be a longer scale length, so you'd want a, d- a lower tuning. Right. Then on a baritone, if it's around 30 inches, then yeah, usually th- those are like a base six, you're going to do a, probably uh, like E to E, like you would yeah. on an electric guitar, or just o- an octave down. Octave lower, right? On a, on a baritone typically you would probably st- like go like b like b would be your bottom string so it's like almost like a oh and then it seven string guitar yeah but then it B-E-A-D-G. shifts up exactly um i i like it man i mean so they this is a revival of a original design from the six not just the body but they actually did a six yeah, string exactly it's in but again they called it a, a, six, a six string bass but it's, right. it's really a baritone uh, it's so it's it's yeah it's kind of this funny like reminder like oh yeah uh, Dan Electro they already kind of did this everybody don't 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 get it twisted Dano had this shit covered for a long time well they were one of the original when I started getting into vintage shit and then they had reissue stuff you could actually find their vintage stuff for like the same price or sometimes cheaper than their reissue stuff which I always thought was kind of interesting like I remember seeing like um you know just one of like the the Longhorn bases yeah for like. 500 bucks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like, I've played some old Longhorn basses and I can't say I, didn't, I really got along with any of them. I've never really you know been how a, I've never really been a Dan like Electro guy. That's the thing. We don't talk about them too we much. We don't anymore. really I've never I've you know, I've never actually owned my own Dan Electro hmm. guitar. I have never either. I have a yeah. Silvertone acoustic that's like as close as I yeah. get. No, I think the uh it's got to have like the wacky body. Oh yeah, it's a 29.72 inch scale. They call Jeez. it hybrid. It's exact. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a bolty, C-shaped neck, mm-hmm. 24 frets, 14-inch radius on a rosewood board, dot inlays. It's, you know, and they don't, that, that Coke bottle uh, three-on-a-side uh, headstock, headstock. Which, is, which is fine. It, it, it actually looks okay, I think, on, on this on this body yeah. and this in that arrangement. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't like it with the four for the, like you said, for the Longhorn bass. No, it, it looks very unbalanced and strange. Um, I'm trying to think. Like Jimmy Page obviously looked cool playing his Dan Electro. The 59 yeah. U2 style. Yeah, yeah, those are those are awesome. The, with the black, the black with the white pick guard. That, uh, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously people like Jack White and those, that type of, that ilk of musician that play that kind of guitar. Those indie rockers. Those whippersnappers with their fuzz pedals and their haircuts. Now you said it's the single coils. Is that the one with like the lipstick covers on it? Like the... The chrome. Their lipstick, yeah, two lipstick yeah. pickups with the that literally look like old school lipstick yeah. containers, which I don't think they've looked like that in like seventy five years. No, but <laughs> that's that's what we still call them here in the guitar yep, world. Sure do. We stick to it. Um, that's cool. I'm I'm gonna fast say, moving bunch. We guitarists. I'm gonna bet they're not that expensive. What makes you bet that? I believe they're all made in Korea, which gives us a little. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't where, think they have any U.S. Oh man, no, I feel no, really I bad know. if they. No, I think it's all, it's either, but it's, I I think it's Korean. It's some, I believe it's, I believe it's Asia. I don't. Oh no, it is. I just, I think it might be Korea. Yeah. I, that just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I don't think they have like a U.S. line or anything. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of companies do. do. Um, so I'm going to say, I have a feeling this is going to be pretty affordable. Let me ask you a question. What price would it have to be for you to be like, I'm interested maybe in something like that. On that that thing? Just to like, like I would possibly consider buying it. Like under three hundred bucks. Okay. What do you think it actually is? Four fifty. Five sixty nine. Oh, okay. They, yeah, they put it up. I figured they were going to compete with like the Squire Bay Six, and that's yeah. those are around five hundred. I think. Yeah, we're right we're now. in inflation world, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Madness. That's it, bud. 
five sixty nine pre order okay. pre order available now. I kind of I don't know. Like I, it makes me it rekindles the desire in me to have something in that range that does that sort of thing. I don't have a long scale yeah. instrument currently that isn't a bass, but I have a short scale bass, which is sort of gotten me closer. Makes me feel. Dude, just drill some in. holes and put some lighter strings just on. Just put some put deal. some more strings on that bad boy. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it. Whenever I find a cool like basics or you know a baritone or something, I always send it your way because I'm like you'd be able to get around on that thing. I've played uh, John's basics and um, even though it is standard tuning and stuff, I just it just it messes with my mind being like, okay, it's six strings like a guitar, but you want to play it like a bass, but if you strum it and don't really like play the note right, it doesn't sound great. It just kind of mm. You know what I mean? In that in that sense of like, it's got a it just doesn't sound clean to me when you when you strum on it. it. Takes, I feel like it takes a lot more. But interestingly, even though the strings are bigger and heavier, it takes a lot more finesse. You have to yeah. be a lot more attentive to muting both with both of your hands, hundred percent, and where you're picking on them yep. too. Is you, like, yeah, if it's I too, can't play it the too same jangly way. up here. It's not gonna. Yeah, um, you can't get away with like where I a lot of times I'm almost like strumming guitars on the neck. Like mm-hmm. st- standard six string guitars, like up on the neck. I you, like with those. I'm never that that far up. I'm always much right. further closer towards a bridge to get the jangleness, the jangle jangle. I'm actually surprised that uh, that sixty one didn't sell yet. I don't think it did. On eBay, uh, it was uh, Reverb sixty one base six. Oh, the the Japanese red one. one. No, it was uh, American. Which one am I? The guy was asking like five grand, and you were like, "I'll just get a lowball him here and see what he says." Oh, oh, it was a refin. It was a refin. Yeah, but in a like, I think it had like one original pickup. The other two were wound or something. Sorry, sorry, you do send me a lot of P bases, and I I love them all. But I just I can't. I I send you a lot of bass stuff sometimes. I love it. I get excited. Uh, No, the bass six. I I was surprised because I was I was. It popped up in my watch feed the other day, and I was like, "Oh wow, I'm really kind of for what those go for in like mint condition." I'm really surprised that somebody wouldn't just buy that as a refin, like to fuck around with. They were asking five at, grand at that for that price. I mean, you it's might a lot of money. It might not be bad to strip it and refinish it. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're if you know that the Japanese ones from the 90s and 2000s are now getting like 3,500. What? What? Yes, dude. Yes. Yes, and the, even the uh, the pawn shop series are going for over two grand now. So no, they're not. Well, they're asking. Pawn shop for the like Mexican made ones mm-hmm. are two thousand dollars because they only made them for like three years. Those were really nice instruments. I had one, but they were so cheap. They were like I got one, in this like six hundred bucks. Or I something got one like for seven hundred, no shipping because I picked it up locally. Yeah, and I flipped it for like a thousand, and I thought I just like made the most money. You're gonna get. I could have held on to it for two years and like. I don't know. I mean, I don't think people are really getting too grand for wow, those things. Wow, I did not know that. And I will say it played and felt really nice. I was just, I was in the mode of They were things. great guitars. Yeah. I really like those. Yeah. Uh, dude, that actually reminds me of that uh, 61 Gibson EB6. That oh, I was going to bring that up earlier. Yeah. yeah. So what the hell was that? Those thing? are so cool. It's the same. It's basically the same kind of deal as this. It's same in terms of scale length yeah. and what how you would tune it and play it and stuff. And, and isn't it, had, it the? It's the same body as the EB two. Right? It's the same freaking body. Which as probably e- no, now no, that we the know. EB3. Oh, the EB three. Oh, oh, it had like no, the, no, 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 no. Sorry, you're right. I, no, yeah, it had EB2. the uh, EB two. The double cutaway kind of. Well, yeah, the, yeah, the three thirty that we now know that the three thirty five. Three thirty five. All those bodies are. The, they were just the cranking same. them out, man. And, but it has one PAF humbucker. Yes at the neck that is interesting i kind of wish it had a couple more tonal options but it's so clean and beautiful so I clean original so yeah. yeah if you guys get oh bored my look, God. look up it dude. was what like 15 grand or 61 something? eb6 it was over 10 grand I yeah think. yeah 
uh, Gibson EV6 Sunburst. It's just a cool freak instrument. You don't see those. Ever. I, what are they? I think they said they only shipped thirty three of them. Yeah. in the in that listing. Oh my! Oh, it's kind of. Wow. I mean, it was it was a burst sunburst, but it was almost like a vintage sunburst. Really clean though. Yeah. It was it was uh, for for I would never I would never actually want to buy that because it was too clean and I would be afraid to put marks yeah. on it. It was it was beautiful, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like closet classic for sure. You know what else is a classic? This episode, this freaking episode of pod, the you're, podcast you're we a make, classic, dude. They don't make them like you anymore. Oh, they sure don't, and they sh- they probably shouldn't. Frankly, I think I think that one shirt's was, a classic. One was enough. This shirt is the worst thing. This shirt's ever been seen. so distracting. It's this whole so episode. fucking horrible. But I I'm ex- I'm so excited to wear it to a Formula One event. You are going to get a lot of compliments on that. Does that say not for for what is it? Just Ferrari? says Rari. Well, I have a buddy who's really into Ferraris. Yeah. And like, like to the fact of he'll probably own one one day, and he calls them Raris. And I was like, oh, that'd be the perfect shirt for that dude. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty weird. I don't, I don't know. It has a random rooster up in the corner. It's got a rooster. It says 1994 upside down, on, like in real large it's, print on the back. It's and so on the weird. Front. And then it says 1982 upside down up here. It says A1, but it's got the shell logos. It seems honestly to me, this looks like if. Uh, Dolly were to be, have been uh, commissioned to make a Ferrari shirt, <laughs> right? What and it just would like, look fuck, like like deconstruct it and reconstruct. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, it it definitely has like a like a weird like um like in a good way like a bootleg feel to it, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, because those it, are fucking popular. And it has right now. Uh, zippers on the sides, zippers on the side, and it's a long shirt. So if you too. unzip the side, you get to let those tails out, dude. Let it flap in the wind. Can you imagine? <laughs> On the on the tarmac, on oh, the yeah, freaking dude. in the pit lane, getting those pit. When the wind blow by, man. Oh my god! Imagine in the pit lane in Vegas. What? Who's going to be on that? For, oh, well, we don't, this isn't an F one podcast, but it is a gear podcast, and we're going to freaking wrap it up. Damn right, that's what we're doing. If you made it this far, thank you so much. Thank we you. love we love making this thing, and we love putting it in your earballs. So uh, thanks for doing it, and Dave, thank you for being here with me. Yeah, man, thank you for having me again, and um, I hope everybody has a great week. That's all I want to say. That's all you want to say, and all I want to say is if you made it this far, why don't you make some music? <laughs>